The scripture reading this evening is from Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, verses 34, or 31 verses 31 uh, to 34. And in the, the message, of course, I will refer back to this scripture passage. Uh, and to let you know, this is one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament. Uh, this is the only passage in the Old Testament that uses the term New Covenant. Of course, the whole Old Testament points to the New Covenant, but this is the only place where it's actually called uh, the New Covenant here in uh, Jeremiah 31. So here, uh, hear God's word. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, we are so thankful for this new covenant that you have made with us. And I pray that this evening that the, the importance and the power of this new covenant would grow deeper in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, to be honest with you, when I'm asked to preach for a Sunday evening, I usually, I will pray, I will open up my sermon file and look for a, for a good one, you know, one that I've done before, and oh, I, I like that one, and I'll, I'll uh, resurrect it, give it some new life, refresh it, review it, and, and, then, and then preach it Sunday evening. So I, I did this, I, I prayed, went through the file, and I don't know, there, I was just like, no. And for some reason, I just began thinking about the prophet Jeremiah. I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a sermon on Jeremiah, which is kind of a pain during the school year. But it's, it's all right. It's good. I was motivated. This is a good thing. And, uh, you know, Jeremiah, uh, he's not as well known. You know, of the major prophets, Isaiah. I mean, he gets the press, right? He has got those memorable phrases, and very often, you know, we hear this in song like Handel's Messiah, Isaiah, uh, beautiful words that point to Jesus, uh, beautiful images and poetry in Isaiah, and actually, this is true, Isaiah knows more about trees than any other prophet. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Jeremiah, you know, we, we don't think about Jeremiah much. And so uh, the sermon this evening is, it's a big sermon, okay? Not big in terms of, like, long, hopefully, hopefully not too long, but uh, big in terms of the scope, 
Okay, this is just a big picture sermon on Jeremiah. Uh, so often, I thought this would be good for a Sunday night. You know, so often we, we zero in on, on one, one passage, which is so good and we need that. Uh, but tonight it's time to take a step back. Uh, the theme of the sermon is uh, stand up for God and always be hopeful. Stand up for God and always be hopeful. This was Jeremiah. This also is the call for God's people during Jeremiah's time. And of course, it is for us as well to stand up for God and to always be hopeful. And uh, to reinforce this theme, I, I'm going to look at Jeremiah's time, his history, uh, Jeremiah's life, and then Jeremiah's message. Uh, so first, uh, Jeremiah's time. Oh, he, he lived during the time of a clash of mighty empires in the Fertile Crescent in the ancient world in the Middle East. Uh, you had Egypt. They're anchored in Africa. And Egypt was one of those countries that uh, they were powerful and strong, but they were not typically uh, uh, bent on conquering the world. Okay? Uh, then you have Assyria. Assyria, capital Nineveh, they wanted to conquer the world. I mean, or the known world, you know. Uh, they wanted to, to push the borders out as much as possible. Uh, then after Assyria, we have uh, Babylon. And then after Babylon is, is uh, Persia, then Greece, or Alexander the Great, and then Rome. Now, Jeremiah, Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. Those, the clash of those empires, that's right you know, during the time uh, when he lived. Uh, I'm going to stop just for a moment. I skipped something. I just remembered, and I was excited about this, so we're going to go back to this. I have a quiz. Are you ready? Yes, for a quiz? Uh, don't, don't get uh, nervous. This will not be graded, and I will not call anybody out, okay? Uh, all it is is uh, five Jeremiah questions. In terms of number of words, okay, where does Jeremiah rank? First, second, third, or fourth longest book in the Bible. Okay, in terms of words, not chapters, words, where does Jeremiah rank in terms of longest? First, second, third, or fourth? Do you have your answer in your mind? Do you have a yeah, yes? What do you think? Number one, that is so close. Okay, Psalms is one, and Jeremiah is number two. Okay, so Isaiah is 66 chapters. Jeremiah has much less chapters, but they're longer. Okay, so uh, Jeremiah is number two. Uh, who is Jeremiah known as? The weeping prophet, the fiery prophet, or the quiet prophet. Oh, thank you. The weeping prophet. Not that he was crying all the time, but his book is a bit more, shall we say, autobiographical than the other prophets. And we just, he is crying out to God uh, with, uh, you know, what's happening to him, what's happening to Jerusalem. And uh, so, uh, because of that, because we know a lot about his life, he is uh, termed the weeping prophet. Uh, when did Jeremiah live in Israel's history? Well, I kind of alluded to this already. 
Uh, but I had a generation after Solomon, uh, at the end of the kingdom of Judah, uh, during the exile, when the people of God were in Babylon, or after exile, when they came back to the promised land, after being in Babylon. And uh, the answer to that, Jeremiah was living during the time of the end of the kingdom of Judah. Okay, so you have David and Solomon, then you have the divided kingdom, north kingdom, south kingdom, then, the, then uh, Israel was destroyed, then Judah was destroyed by Babylon. That's right during the time of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah ended up in another country at the end of his life, against his will. What country did he end up in at the end of his life? Uh, Babylon, Egypt, Moab, or France? Okay, Babylon, Egypt, Moab, or France? Does anybody have a guess on where he ended up at the end of his life? Yeah? Egypt, correct. Yes, he ended up in Egypt strongly against his will. And uh, now, let's see, last question. There's a famous verse in Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Uh, what chapter are those, what chapter is that verse in? Somebody say. Oh, and what verse? 11. 11. Oh, good. Yes, Jeremiah 29, 11, very famous uh, passage. All right, so well, very good. I wanted to get that, that quiz in there. Now, back to Jeremiah's time. Jeremiah lived during the time of uh, five kings of Israel. The first one was Josiah. He started as a young boy. He grew up. He was a godly king. Under his rule, uh, they found the book of the law, which had been lost. That's bad. They lost the Old Testament. Not a good thing. Okay. They find this. They celebrate the Passover and have a spiritual revival during the time of Josiah. It was good. At the end of Josiah's reign, Egypt needed to go help Assyria because Babylon was going to fight Assyria, and Egypt could live with Assyria, but Babylon scared them. So they were going to uh, leave Egypt, go up the coast of Palestine, or Israel, up north to join with Assyria to fight against Babylon. Well, on Egypt's way up, Josiah said, you can't march through my land. This is my, this is my country. Egypt said, forget it, okay? We will not bother you. Just let us go through. We're going somewhere else. Josiah said no. He went out to battle, and Egypt killed King Josiah. Very sad thing. Well, Josiah died, and so his son, Jehoahaz, was put on the throne. Uh, that poor lad lasted three months, Okay. Josiah's reign was 40 years, you say that. But uh, Jehoiahaz lasted three months. Egypt came and said, well, we beat you, we're in charge, we're taking you prisoner, and uh, we're going to choose who we want as the next king. Well, they chose another son of Josiah, Jehoiakim. And, uh, you know, this past uh, presidential campaign, we, you know, you talked about flip-flop. Have you heard that term before with politics at all? Okay. Anyway, so uh, Jehoiakim, it was a flip-flopper, okay? Because uh, first he's like, oh, I love Egypt. Well, Egypt put him on the throne, right? Well, then uh, in 605 B.C., a famous battle in terms of just world history, uh, Babylon soundly defeated Egypt. 
and uh, you know that meant they just kind of conquered uh, Israel as well. And uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the prince general at the time. He went on, of course, to become king. Uh, so Babylon, 605, Babylon came down to Jehoiakim, says, we're in charge now. He said, okay, I'm for you now, all right? And uh, this was the first exile. This is where they took Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and uh, brought them uh, to Babylon while Jehoiakim was king. Babylon said, okay, you serve us. Jehoiakim said, I serve you. Babylon leaves. A few years later, Jehoiakim goes, I don't like Babylon. I'm for Egypt now. Well, this upset the Babylonians. They came back, and Jehoiakim died right about the time that the Babylonians were coming back. So his son became king, Jehoiachin, and that poor lad lasted only three months. And uh, he was carted off to Babylon, and then they put on the throne, Babylon put on the throne, uh, the last king of Judah during the kings of Judah time, and his name was Zedekiah. He ruled for 11 years. Uh, then in 586 B.C., Jerusalem was captured after a two-and-a-half-year uh, battle against the city. Jerusalem finally fell, and uh, that is a huge date in Jewish history, 586 B.C., when Babylon, uh, this time, we are not putting another king on the throne. We're done with you. We are destroying your city, your nation, exile or kill you, and we're done. So uh, this was what was going on, these five kings, during the time of Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah's life. Jeremiah's life. He was born into a priestly family about two and a half miles north of Jerusalem in the tribe of Benjamin. He was called to be a prophet as a youth. Now, I was curious. I mean, I teach youth. What does that mean? And uh, I looked at numerous commentaries. One said youth means in the teens. One said 20. And one just said, well, he was still dependent on his parents financially. Okay? So whatever that means, he was relatively young and at that age called by God to be a prophet. He was a prophet for about 40 years. Uh, generally, people did not like him. Uh, we could count on one hand in the book the friends that he had. Uh, people didn't like him. And, and why was that? Because he was very focused in his message. <laughs> repent, and if you do not repent, you will be destroyed. End of story. Okay, repent, you are sinning, and then Jerusalem will be destroyed, and it will be completely obliterated. Uh, not a message that people would like to hear, especially not in this tense time of the clash of all of these world powers going on uh, around Israel. Uh, through all of this, God did tell Jeremiah that God would protect Jeremiah through all of it. Uh, Jeremiah was called to be single. He could, God said, you may not marry because this is going to end poorly. You don't want wife and kids in this, and uh, this is kind of to demonstrate to the people it's going to be a bad end. So he had to uh, stay single. Uh, his hometown wanted to kill him. At one point, he was put in stocks. He was threatened by priests and other prophets, threatened his life. Um, 
Uh, his writings were burned. He was uh, put in a dungeon. He was lowered into a cistern. Uh, he was freed by invaders, and then he was taken to Egypt. Uh, now, some, uh, a few specific stories. Okay, that's kind of an overview of Jeremiah's life. A few specific stories. Uh, the call of Jeremiah from Jeremiah 1. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. You and I are no Jeremiah. But you and I are called to be bold in our faith. To say, this is what I believe. And if I, conf- and, and if I am confronted with people that believe differently, uh, of course I'm going to be respectful. I'm not going to be obstinate. But I am not going to waver in what I stand upon, the word of God, what I know to be true. God calls us to stand firm in the faith. And this was a calling upon Jeremiah's life as well. When Jeremiah stood for God boldly, he had to face consequences. But he had to trust in God, whatever those consequences were. And uh, you and I may fear consequences if we stand up for God in certain situations. Maybe it's a conflict in a relationship. Maybe people look at you differently. I don't know what it would be. But the consequences, we need to leave in God's hands. He just calls us to be faithful and be bold for him. Uh, Jeremiah was persecuted, persecuted some more, and persecuted even more. Uh, it's all, through, all, throughout the, all throughout the book, uh, these little snippets of how he was persecuted. And also, the book is not in chronological order. It's quite clear as you uh, read through Jeremiah, uh, the different kings come in in different points, so it's not all in chronological order. Uh, but anyway, from Jeremiah 20, when the priest, uh, Pashur, son of Ermer, uh, the official in charge of the temple, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he beat him and put him in stocks in the upper gate of Benjamin. So Jeremiah is whipped and hit. Uh, then he's put in stocks, which, I mean, you, you know, you kind of think, you know, your, your uh, arms and neck like this. Uh, we don't know exactly what it was, but it was something that restrained you and probably caused you to stoop over. And then he put him at the gate of Benjamin, which means a very public place. So here he is in, in jail, but, but publicly, after being beaten. Uh, the next day, uh, the priest released Jeremiah. <laughs> now, if this happened to me, I mean, I'd just walk away quickly, okay? Uh, the priest releases Jeremiah, and Jeremiah said, The Lord's name for you is not Pashur. It's his name. Your name is terror on every side. 
Hello, terror on every side. Uh, For this is what the Lord says. I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. With your own eyes, you will see them fall by the sword of their enemies. I will give all of Judah into the house of the king of Babylon. Okay, these are some of the words why Jeremiah did not make a lot of friends. Okay? Um, Jeremiah 26. When the priests, the prophets, and all the per- people heard Jeremiah speak these words in the house of the Lord. Public place. The temple. And he is speaking out, and everybody's listening to him. And... What's interesting, they don't interrupt him. I mean, he gives his message. As soon as Jeremiah finished telling the people everything the Lord had commanded him, the priests, the prophets, and all the people seized him and said, you must die. And all the people crowded around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. Uh, In this sermon, Jeremiah said that Jerusalem and the temple will be like Shiloh. That's what he said. It'll be like Shiloh. Now, Shiloh was the place where the Ark of the Covenant first rested when the children of Israel came into the Promised Land with Joshua hundreds of years ago. So here's Israel and the Promised Land. Where are we going to put the Ark of the Covenant and the priests, the tabernacle? Shiloh. Okay. Where did the people go to worship? Shiloh. In Jeremiah's day, what was Shiloh like? Destroyed. Where do the people come to worship now? Jerusalem. And Jeremiah says, Jerusalem will be destroyed. And they all said, you must die. Uh, But God was watching over Jeremiah and protected him. Uh, Jeremiah 37, they were angry with Jeremiah, had him beaten and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan the secretary, which they had made into a prison. Okay, hopefully you have not done this in your homes. Okay? But this guy's house, they made it into a prison. Jeremiah was put, it, put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon where he remained a long time. Uh, this is one of these ancient things that commentators don't know exactly. Um, but the best guess, it was something that was cramped quarters, like you could not stand up in it, and it had very poor ventilation. So this particular imprisonment was particularly torturous. And, you know, he might have thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die in here if I stay in this little dungeon cubicle. Um, and then the last uh, thing on uh, Jeremiah and persecution. So they took Jeremiah and put him in, into a cistern, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered him by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud, and he sank down into the mud. A very deep cistern that usually has water, this did not, sank in the mud. They covered it up and left him. Why? No one person wanted to kill him, but enough people wanted him to die. They thought, we'll just leave him here and go, and then he'll just eventually die, and we're done with this this prophet. Well, Ebed-Melech, a Cushite, an African, who was an official in the royal palace, heard about this, and he went to King Zedekiah and essentially said, can I rescue Jeremiah uh, from the cistern? Now, King Zedekiah was an ungodly king, but he respected Jeremiah. Uh, The Bible even says he would have private conferences with Jeremiah, and uh, 
Jeremiah would give him the word of the Lord, and then Jeremiah would leave, and Zedekiah would not follow God's word at all. Okay, the guy was uh, very indecisive. Uh, but he didn't want Jeremiah to die. He, he respected him too much, so uh, Jeremiah was rescued from this one persecution that surely was going to end in his death, uh, but he was rescued. And uh, then uh, to wrap up Jeremiah's life, uh, Jeremiah 40, when the commander of the guard found Jeremiah with, uh, bound in chains with all the captives from Jerusalem and Judah, he released him and said, the Lord your God decreed this disaster for this place. So once Babylon conquered uh, Jerusalem, they killed a lot, and then they rounded up people, put them in chains to take them in exile to Babylon. Jeremiah got scooped up with all these people, uh, and then the Babylonians found out, the prophet Jeremiah, this guy's well known, and he was on our side. He prophesied that we would destroy Jerusalem. So the Babylonians, they liked Jeremiah, okay? So uh, they came and uh, found Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah, unchained. Okay, Jeremiah, you're free. We'll take you to Babylon, and you can have a nice life for the rest of your life. Or you can stay in Judah if you would like. Uh, Jeremiah said, I'd like to stay in Judah. So uh, the Bible says they gave Jeremiah food and a gift. It was a gift card. No, a gift. I don't know what. You know, maybe some gold or something. Uh, gave him a gift and uh, brought him uh, and just allowed him to go back to Judah. So uh, that was good. At the end of Jeremiah's life, uh, Babylon is gone. There was a governor there. He gets assassinated, and all the Jews were afraid that Babylon would get upset and come back again and kill him. So they said, Jeremiah, ask the Lord what we should do. And Jeremiah, we will follow the word of the Lord. Jeremiah said, okay. So he prayed. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah told the Jews there, stay in the promised land. This is God's land. He will protect you. Babylon will not come back and kill you. They said, forget it. We will now take you as prisoner, and we're all going to Egypt. And they all left to Egypt. After promising Jeremiah, they would listen to him. And so uh, that is where uh, Jeremiah died in Egypt. Uh, now, Jeremiah's message, uh, I just have uh, three things, three brief things here. Uh, sin and judgment, and uh, also uh, the plans I have for you, and then the new covenant. So, sin and judgment. The word of the Lord came to me, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride, Israel, as a bride, you loved me and followed me through the wilderness. Israel was holy to the Lord. But this is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. God's covenant with his people, and that includes with us as well, is so uh, it, it is so important that it's committed and that it's close. God wants to think of a way to communicate this to us that we can understand. And so very, on in the prof, very often in the prophets, God compares his covenant to them with a marriage. 
And he is the groom. And he showers love and gifts and blessings and commitment and faithfulness upon his bride, Israel. And Israel essentially committed spiritual adultery uh, against Almighty God. And uh, how beautiful a picture, though, it is uh, that God is not just distant, but the sovereign Lord is a God that comes close and wants a committed close relationship with his people. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, I see a pot that is boiling and it is tilting away from the north. Prophets loved to use object lessons. Actually, prophets had children's sermons all the time. Okay, come on forward, kids. Do you see this little object? Okay, this is a prophecy of destruction. Well, probably our pastors don't do children's sermons like this. Uh, but that's kind of what it was. It's an object lesson. What do you see, Jeremiah? A boiling pot. <gasps> the pot tipped over. What direction? Well, it tipped over from the north toward the south. And so the prophecy was, from the north, the armies would come to destroy Jerusalem. Now, for you astute uh, geography students... What direction is Babylon from Israel? It's east, not north. Uh, however, you have the Arabian Desert in there, and nobody could cross that. And so uh, the Babylonians would, would go north, Fertile Crescent here, and then they would come from the north in to the land of Israel. And so Babylon did, in fact, uh, fulfill this prophecy. Um, yes? Uh, moving on, when you think about sin and judgment, uh, in 586, when Jerusalem was destroyed, think about it, Israel was no more. It was done. It's gone. I mean, the people were in Babylon, but there was no more Israel, okay? Now, Philistines, what happened to them? The Amorites, the Moabites the Edomites. What happened to all of these countries? They were conquered, and what? They were no more. God's people were conquered, and if you had lived back then and survived Babylon defeating Jerusalem, you would think, we're done. All of the other countries around us are done. We are finally done. We have sinned, and now there is judgment. And here is where some of the most beautiful passages of Jeremiah come into play. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. What did this passage mean to those people dealing with an absent nation? It meant that God will resurrect his people. That God will take his people in exile and bring them back. And when they come back, when they have this future, 
Essentially, they can live in safety and they can have enough food. They can have a lot of food. They can, they can live well. Uh, the question for, for you and I is, uh, what does this passage mean for us? And we need to be careful that we just don't interpret this passage as Americans. Plans to prosper you. Well, this means uh, better return on my stocks and uh, that uh, my retirement fund goes up or that I have more money or that this is a great Christmas. Plans to prosper. Uh, is this what God is trying to communicate to us through this passage? So I think that we need to look at this passage, think about what it meant to the people in Jeremiah's time, and then think about what it means for us today. It is a passage of hope. And as a Christian, it is so important for us to live every day of our lives, whether it's a good day or a bad day, knowing that we are God's and we have hope because we are God's child, because our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ, and we have the promise of eternal life. And so uh, I believe we should continue to quote Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, but we should, we should think about, now what do I mean when I quote this verse? And what is God trying to communicate to me uh, through Jeremiah 29, 11? And then uh, lastly, the new covenant, God, the scripture text that I read at the beginning, God will form a new covenant with us. He will form a new covenant. Not like Mount Sinai. What was the Mount Sinai covenant based on? What we did, what we do. I mean, God came to his people, made the tabernacle and the sacrifices, but he said, you better obey this, and if, if you don't obey this, you are judged. You obey or you are judged. The new covenant centered in Jesus Christ, the new covenant is solely based on what God has done for us. How beautiful, what a gift, how amazing it is that we can look at this Jeremiah passage, look, look back on Jeremiah, and as we look back, we see the cross, and we see this new covenant, this gift that God has given us. Friends, I want to encourage you to stand up and be hopeful. And this is a message to everyone, regardless of the state of our physical earthly kingdom, whether that be the United States or North Korea. We need to stand up and always be hopeful. And I leave you with this last one question. Uh, this week, how is God calling you to live a life fully devoted to God?